empowerment, confidence, cultivation of literacy. These are some of the things that you are going to hear in my upcoming episode with Asia Nasir, who is the founder of Jessica Cares, an awesome nonprofit, a nonprofit strategist, and an author of two books, y'all. So you just stay tuned. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Real Reading Talk. I am your most gracious host, Ms. Sasha, and with Real Reading Talk, I discuss the real systemic issues that are at the very core, the very foundation, as to why there are low levels of literacy in the Black community and the ways in which we can combat these issues together. All right, you guys, I am just super excited because I have a phenomenal woman as a guest on my show today, y'all, okay? I mean, oh my goodness. Well, first, let me let me say her name, all right? We're talking about Asia Nasir is up in the house, y'all, okay? You hear me? You're talking about someone who is a founder of a nonprofit called Jessica Cares, okay? All right, doing phenomenal things for our young girls, okay, in the community. And she's a nonprofit strategist. And also, let, let me add this here, okay? Let's, not only did she write one book, she wrote two books already, okay? She is the author of two books. I mean, she is just doing great things. And she does other things too, okay? Which I know when you all hear her talk, she's going to be, you know, saying other things that she's involved in as well. But I am just so happy that she has accepted my invitation and is gracing her presence on my show, Real Reading Talk. So I want to uh, introduce everyone to Asia Nasir. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you so much. I've never had anybody introduce me like that. That was amazing. Assalamu <laughs> alaikum and peace and blessings to everybody. And thank you. I, I first want to start by by saying thank you for having me on the show. I, I don't find a lot of organizations that have the niche, you know, that you have, the specialty that you have within your, your organization and the work that you're doing. Um, so I feel very honored to, to be on this platform and being able to speak and, you know, talk to you and your audience. So thank you for having me. Oh, of course, honey, you are more than welcome. It is definitely, you know, the honor definitely is mutual because, hey, y'all, full disclosure, y'all, I've been learning from her, okay? I mean, you talk about a sister who is on top of it. I mean, she really is. So in which you all are going to hear about how on top of it she is. So of course, like we always do here on Real Reading Talk when I have my guests on here. And by the way, this is a season three episode six y'all oh excuse me episode seven look at me i always lose count episode six episode six was last week this is episode seven all right and first what i would love for you to do asia is i want you to tell everybody about yourself give us some background in terms of where you're from um you know tell us a little bit about your family so go right ahead please and share with the audience all right well um my background is I was born here in the States. I was born in the Bronx, New York. So New York is, is definitely my background. And anyone who knows me knows if I start talking long enough, people know I'm from New York. Uh, but I was born in the Bronx, but I was raised in Fall Rockaway, Queens. So I was raised in Queens. Um, I'm Afro-Latina. My mother is from Panama. My father's from Costa Rica. Um, so that is my background. My, so my culture is the Spanish, you know, the Latin community, 
all the foods, all of the culture, everything like that literally is my, my culture. However, I do identify as also a black woman because that is what I am. So that is why now we acknowledge my culture as Afro-Latina because a lot of us who were from the Spanish community were not acknowledged because we didn't look like the typical Jennifer Lopez, Mark Anthony, and so forth. So now we, we, we do have a space in our community to identify exactly who we are. So I'm very proud of that. Um, so I was raised um, in a two-parent family home in Queens. Um, we were not rich <laughs> by no means. I'm one of seven children. Um, yes, I'm one of seven children, five boys, two girls. And um, yeah, and so my parents, they knew each other. Um, because uh, my father, although he was uh, born in Costa Rica, he was raised in Panama. So my parents knew each other from they were little, but they 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 just knew each other as friends. They didn't become a, a couple until both of them moved to the States in their adult life. Mm. Um, so, um, yeah, so then I came about, <laughs> my younger brother came about uh, with my, my parents. Um, and I was, as I mentioned, I was raised in Far Rockaway, Queens, New York. And my father was a you know, my mother was a stay-at-home mother, and my father was the one that worked outside of the home. So you can imagine uh, a one-parent family home, uh, a one-parent working, um, with trying to raise seven kids. And if you know anything about the Spanish culture, there was always cousins, friends. <laughs> so we had at least 10 to 11 people at our house at all times. So I'm used to being in a family of just, you know, uh, a large uh, number. I'm very family-oriented. Uh, still am to this day. I'm still very close to my siblings. And um, so, yeah, that's just a little bit about, you know, my background. Um, and then when I was about 14 years old, because of my mom's health, she had a lot of, and still to this day, my mother's 82 years old. Um, but to this day, uh, she still suffers with her back. She had a lot of back issues. And as you know, living on the East Coast, mm. um, developing arthritis in your disc, in your spine, can be very painful. So the doctors recommended for my mother to move to a dry climate. Mm. So at the age of 14, um, just when I was getting ready to branch out into, you know, my high school of choice, uh, we moved to California, Los Angeles, California. And so I, I yes, I, I moved when I was 14 years old, uh, met my, my ex-husband, my children's father, um, when I was 19 and had my three children there. And until he and I separated, um, in 2005, I moved back to the East Coast and I've been on the East Coast. Wow. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I'm just like, this is just your, first of all, I just want to say, I mean, I just love the fact of, you know, how you talk about your family. That's number one. That's the first thing that I noticed. It's like your face lights up. Mm -hmm. I mean, you definitely show that you really, really love your family, honor your family. And just like with anybody, you have struggles, just like we all have struggles with our families, but nonetheless, you definitely understand the importance of that foundation, you know, and just, just the respect and reverence that you have for your mother and your father and your family, that right there is priceless. So, you know, I, I hope that everybody who's listening really picked up on, on those jewels and nuggets uh, right there. Um, now what I would like to do and continuing on talking about your family, I want us to, uh, everyone to hear about, uh, in terms of the literacy aspect in your family, right? So what type of, uh, culture of literacy was developed, um, in your household? Did you grow up in a household where, uh, your family, your mom read bedtime stories to you or your dad read bedtime stories to you? Tell us, uh, 
about that? So my my parents, I, I definitely was raised in a home where reading was like all the time, every day. Uh, education was was instilled as far as reading, doing well in school. All of my siblings, myself included, um, excelled in, uh, academically um, mm. in school um, because we were that reading was a very was very much part of our routine. Um, so what I will share also is that in raising, you know, being raised by my two parents, they were both Jehovah's Witnesses. So if anyone knows about Jehovah's Witnesses, you've probably seen the Watchtower, the Awake, and the books that the Jehovah Witness organization used to, to make. So we were made to read all of those books. Um, they had uh, one in particular um, was called My Book of Bible Stories. So it was literally stories from Genesis all the way to Revelation of the Bible, difference, and they condensed them where it was um, the ability for young children to be able to read and comprehend the Bible. So that was a book that I had from the time I was like five years old. So I used to read those books and then we were made to go into the missionary work. So we had to read a lot of material growing up and develop public speaking. And my father was an avid reader. Like my dad was, was someone who we used to joke and be like, dad, you should go on Jeopardy because he used to read so much. Um, and so watching him read so many books. And I mean, we're not talking about your typical, you know, magazines. My father used to have big, you know, bond volume books like this that he wow. would read from cover to cover. And that was just, you know, that was something that I saw growing up. I was told bedtime stories by both my parents, you know, growing up. Mm. And I became a lover of reading. Like I remember when they used to have the book fairs at the school, I used to save up my little allowance money so I can get books at the at the, the book fair because I love to get books. So I had all of the series of the Little House on the Prairie series. When I became a teenager, I think every teenager back in the 80s had the Judy Bloom, you know, book uh, series. I had the Judy Bloom series. I used to read so many, so many books uh, growing up. Um, I used to write and journal a lot um, to the point where I actually had aspired at one point in my, my young my young life, I thought I was going to be a journalist. Um, that's how much reading I used to do. And I took that tradition of the love of reading um, when I had my own three children. Um, I passed that on to them. And um, would you like me to share what I did with my kids? Girl, come on. Yes. <laughs> so when, so when my kids, you know, because I, I knew that, you know, when we used to take those uh, SATs and scholastic tests and all that mm -hmm. stuff, reading was off the charts. You know, we, we were talking about in grade level, I was reading like an entry level high school level and I was in fifth, sixth grade and I was already mm -hmm. reading like ninth, 10th grade level because of my comprehension and understanding of reading. Mm -hmm. So I wanted my children and I understood that reading was extremely important to opening up doors for any, any person because it was a way of educating yourself, even if it wasn't at school. It was a way of being able to educate yourself on culture. And this was something that my father really instilled was understanding different cultures, mm. um, different, you know, environments and reading was part of it. And then he used to take me to so many different things that were culturally based. So I understood reading to be a way of educating you and, and making you a well-rounded person. So I wanted to instill that in my, um, my children. So what I did with my children, when they started going to school, <clears throat> I had this tradition with my kids that we would go to either the library. It started off at the library, but then I wanted them to own books. I wanted them to create libraries for themselves. And so what we did was we would go to Barnes and Noble 
and they had to always choose two books. One was some form of self-help book. It didn't matter what type of self-help it was, if it was something that they were struggling with, or something like they had to pick up that book. And then they had a freebie book. Any book that you wanted of your liking, your, you know, your, your desire, whatever, you could pick a book, you know, like that. And they were required to read it. And then what we would do when we would finish reading, we would have, you know, like these powwows and sit down and talk about the lessons that we took from the book. What did you learn from it? Who was your favorite character? Um, because I wanted to know that they were comprehending what they were reading as well. Right. So we would talk about their favorite character. Why was it their favorite character? Who was their least favorite character and why? What was the biggest lesson they took from it? What was it about the story that they didn't like or, you know, took away and left a bad taste in their mouth? And what was it that they loved about the book and how would they rate the book? So we would all do it from myself. I would I would pick my books. My two boys would pick a book and my daughter picked up a book. But my daughter took it to a whole nother level. So now she's a screenwriter because her, her ability to be able to put books together. So now when I teach the author's masterclass, Yes. She's my co-facilitator and she teaches a class on developing your storyline and how to put your, because we have a lot of students that come and they're like, I have writers, I don't know where to begin. Right. She's the one that helps them structure that because she has developed that ability because she just really took, I mean, more of my boys love to read. Uh, my youngest one, he's the revolutionary. Like every book he wants, it has to be Malcolm X or Marcus Garvey or something. Mm-hmm. You know, it's always, it's always something yeah. like that. You know, um, my, my son is more into, the, my oldest son, he's more into the arts. So uh-huh. anything that has to do with arts or nature, he loves to read those books. And my daughter, she's like anything that evokes emotion, you know, or uh-huh. it has something to do with evoking change, like something that is so like an indie movie. Okay. She loves those type of books. Uh, the color purple, those are her type of books, okay. right? That type of where it evokes that real emotion, likes, you know, that's the way she likes to write. And so that's what she facilitates in our author's masterclass now in helping the women be able to, you know, um, take all of the pages of their journals and what they've been writing about and how do you structure that to create a book? Because she does screenwriting. And in the third grade, her teacher called and was like, I don't know what you're doing at home. But I gave this child an assignment. He said, I gave the class an assignment. And he was like, this girl writes. He was like, she has a gift. And he said, her reading comprehension, the way she's able to pronounce words. And that was with all my children. You know, their teachers were calling like their reading is just, I mean, very advanced. So I mm. took that, that um, love of reading mm. and I developed that into my children. And this was a tradition. Like as soon as they finished, they, my kids were like, mom, when are we going to go to Barnes and Noble so we can get another book? So this was something that we did all the way up until they were in high school. You, <laughs> I, I love this. I, I'm literally, I'm just like, just in so much awe because I mean, first of all, you broke down a lot of different things that I've been screaming and talking about. I mean, just so much when it comes to developing that culture of literacy and literally everything you just said and then some encapsulates exactly the message that I try my best to not only of course have in my own home, but drive home when it comes to educating our community, when it comes to developing that culture of literacy. Number one, how you broke down the fact that your family 
was avid readers, your, your father seeing him an avid reader, how you all as a family were taught, even, you know, based off of the faith that you were in being a Jehovah witness and how it was inculcated in your family yeah. to read and study. And it was not just a thing where you guys were just off doing your own thing. It was a thing where it was a family based yes. thing. And, and y'all, y'all heard, I mean, right there. I mean, I, and again, I always tell people again, this is of course, real reading talk. And this is my guest, Asiya Nasir. And like I tell people, please make sure you have your notebooks and your pens because there are tons of jewels that are always dropped when I have guests on here. And Asiya is really, truly bringing it. And that love of reading that was cultivated yeah. in your childhood, then you transferred that into your own home when you got married and had your children. And just, I mean, it just get literally, I'm sitting up here getting goosebumps. I'm getting chills. I was just like, oh my gosh, man. And just, and I love that, uh, the fact of when you would have them go to the library and how you would say, okay, you have to choose one book, at least that's a self-help book. And then the other one, you know, is a book that whatever it is that you want mm -hmm. that right there. And, and literally that's actually a tip for my, my parents and, and my adults out there who are listening to the podcast. That's a great tip that you all can utilize when you are taking your children to the library, right? You know what I'm saying? Guiding them because a lot of times that's what they need. Sometimes it's like, you might have a kid they're like, man, I don't know where to start. Well, if you're giving them some type of guide and say, okay, you know what? Well, first you can get a book that's like this, you know? Cause exactly. I actually, with, with my kids, I would tell them, okay, mm -hmm. you have to get three books that are educational based. So whether it's a math, you know what I'm saying? It's something, mm -hmm. something educational based. And then like, Absolutely. I would tell them the same thing. Then you can get a book of choice or some books mm -hmm. of choice that you like right there. So I, y'all just for real, literally, I, and you just make, in the way that you articulate it though, you make it sound like it's just, just effortless. You know what I'm saying? It, it really was. It was, it was like a tradition. It was really, you know, how we, we create traditions in our family, right. you know, whether it's Sunday dinner, whether mm. it's, you know, that annual family trip, whatever it was for me and my children. And I was a single mom, you know, for me and my children, it was, we go to Barnes and Noble. That was like a, that was a happy place for me and my kids. Okay. And I would sit with them and help them make choices. And then we would read the back and I would educate them on how to pick a book. You know, what is it that you're looking for? What is it that you want to take out of the book? Does that show in the back of the book when they're describing mm. what you're going to take away from the book? Does it resonate with what you're looking for? If it doesn't, let's keep looking. Right. Let's keep looking. I'm like, we can hold on to it, but let's keep looking to see if there's something else. So it helped them to understand that mom also, I wanted my kids to understand mommy's not here to make the decision for you. Mm -hmm. You know, you have a brain. And you have, you have a right to choose. And if we're going to choose a book or character building or something like that, I want it to be your choice. You know, what is it that's something that you want to work on? What is it that you want to take away from the book? And then allow them to be able to have the power to say, not only did I choose something that's going to build me up in character, but then I also have the choice of what book I wanted to read. So to me, it made it where they would desire to read the book more because it was their choice. Not mommy's making me read this book. It was their choice. And so I think when we give our children the ability with guided, you know, guided steps, give them the ability to have the, the, the independence to, to, to make positive choices. Um, and that, that leads on. And even to this day, Sister Stacia, like to this day, I have, my daughter was like, are you serious, mom? You, you, you know, you, I started this new tradition for myself. 
um, which is in my busy life, I'm like, I have to get back to reading. So what I did for 2023 is, I, you know, we hear everyone have, you know, I'm in this book club, or I'm going to join this book club. Right. And sometimes there's just not a book club in your area or going on at the time. So I created my own personal book club. And so I have a 12 month book club that at the end of the year, I'm going to read 12 books. So every month I'm going to start and finish a book. So how I, how I decided to do that was um, I take a book. I look at the, how many pages it is to read the book and I divide it by 30 days and I read that many pages each day. So at the end of 30 days, I'm complete with that book and I can move on and I mix and match my books. So some of them are spiritual. Some of them are personal development. Some of them are professional development. Mm. Some of them are, you know, uh, creating positive mindsets, you know, character building, um, empowerment. Um, and I think that just continues to keep me elevating as, you know, an individual in thought and spirit, and, you know, mind and soul um, and, and really looking at what motivates you. What is your stimulators? What are you, you know, and, and recognize what are your triggers, your vices in your self-development and self-reflection as you're reading books mm-hmm. and how you, you really learn about yourself when you're reading. Um, so, you know, so I'm, I, I love to write and, you know, which I've written books, but I also am, and, and I tell my kids to this day and anyone who, I'm a, I'm a lifetime student. Mm-hmm. I don't think that we're put on this earth to ever feel like I've arrived. There's yeah. always something to learn. And if you don't have the ability to go and get a coach, because sometimes your financial situation may not allow that. You may not be able to take a course, but we can always go to a library. Even if you can't afford a book, you can go to the library for free and you can get one. And you can still educate and empower yourself. Those books are there for free. And as my mentor always says, we don't value free. Mm-hmm. We don't. For some reason, we feel when something is free, it doesn't have value. There's mm-hmm. so many books in the library that are unread that, as you mentioned earlier, there are gems and jewels yes. in those books gems and jewels in those books that can really help you look at people struggling in their life and you know I can't afford a therapist what you don't make okay you may not be able to but there's a book in that library that you can go and get for free that has tips and has mindset development and affirmations and teaching you how to be your own therapist so I think we just we have to get back to reading and, and and like I told my children you know when they you know when I first created this tradition with them there was a time when we wasn't allowed to we were not allowed to read and they understood the reason why they created that law was because they understood the power that came from reading and Mm. educating and empowering the mind so I made it a tradition with my children that that is what they were going to do the opposite yep they were going to do the opposite and maintain that and when I you know conversations that I have with my children today I'm like you are old soul ain't you (laughs) Yeah. But 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 again, because of the fact you just spoke about having number one, the intention. You made it a point. You said no. You said you're going to make sure that you are developing uh this culture of literacy in your home and you are going to do it consistently. And that's the thing that people have to understand. You make the intention to do it, and then you make sure that you are consistently implementing it because that's exactly what you do. It's not rocket science. A lot of people get caught up in thinking, oh my goodness, you know, this person, just like how you talk about with your children, in particular your daughter and how that teacher, by the way, shout out to that teacher 
Yes. Actually notice Recognize talent. Seriously. Mm-hmm. Because unfortunately, some of our kids, they'll be in front of these teachers who do not recognize their gifts and do not know how to cultivate those gifts and make sure they're communicating that with the parents say, saying, hey, look, your baby got this. Cultivate this. Cultivate it. Seriously. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And we have to. We have yeah. to cultivate that gift. And that was what I did with my children when I started recognizing, you know, they leaning towards one thing or another because yep. it was a desire. Like my, my oldest son, we went on a safari uh, type tour. And I love animals. So we went on this safari type tour, but my son is a lover of it. My mother actually started it. She bought him these like cue cards um, that had all of the different animals and all of the, the, the stats on this animal. Okay. Um, and he developed a love for it to the point where he started watching the Discovery Channel all the time. Like that was his thing. It was his okay. time to watch TV. He wasn't really like into the cartoons and stuff. He wanted to watch nature shows. So when we went books and he would look for desirable books, though, mm. that was what he leaned to, or he would lean towards like things that were comic books because he's an okay. artist. Oh, okay. Is this your oldest? You, we I'm went, sorry, your oldest. That's my oldest. oldest. My oldest. Okay. Mm-hmm. And when we went on this safari trip, he had the tour guide. He was given information, but in our little, you know, circle right. in this, my son was, you know, sharing and people started hearing my son and was like, wait, wait a minute, this young man and my son was still in high school. And they were like, wait a minute, this young man, and even to the point where the tour guy said, you may want to consider getting a job doing this. He was like, you have a lot of knowledge about that. So again, that reading, I mean, you asked my, and my son, the reason why that I'm so proud of that is because my son um, has Asperger's. My son has a form of autism. And, but yet he is, his brain is like an encyclopedia. Mm. It retains everything. So some of the things that he was talking about when we was on that, I was, those, I was like, what did you learn? I was like, was this on the Discovery Channel? He was like, no, those are from the cars that grandma bought me. And my mother bought those books for him when he was like in first, second grade. And he retained all of that information. And so his knowledge of animals, even to the point where when we bought, you know, animals, he would tell us, you can't feed it this, you can't do this. This is why they respond this way. And I'm just in, in awe of the knowledge and this is from reading from reading wow it, i mean just amazing upon amazing and i i'm just like i number one just so you all uh, understand too um me and asia this is you know we we've been knowing each other what for it's been over definitely more than a year about a year oh yeah year, no year we've been knowing each other longer than that but going know, on, we but met me. each other we met each other about two years ago but okay we knew- We've known each other on Facebook much longer. Okay. So I would say at least about a good four or five years we've been knowing each other on Facebook, but we finally met each other two years ago. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And actually made that connection where we, you know, met each other in person and everything. And and yes, and you know, let me just plug in real quick. I read her first book, (laughs) by the way. Uh huh. And my daughters did as well. But I, I was saying that all to say because of the fact I just look at our commonalities, right? Because number one, um, my mother's side of the family, they are, a lot of them are Jehovah, Jehovah's Witnesses. That's number one. Mm. Even though I was not raised in the Jehovah Witness faith, uh, you know, however, you know, her family, my mother, she's, you know, uh, Jehovah, Jehovah's Witness now. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that's one aspect yeah. of our commonality. Also the fact of uh, my son, Musa, he has autism. 
And mm. keep this. He loves animals and knows a lot about animals too. Yes. So, yes. I, so I'm just like, you know, when you're, I'm just like, I'm like, wait a minute. Is that yes. one of the gifts yes. of, you know, having that, that beautiful neurodivergent brain that, you know yes. what I'm saying? I'm yes. like, no, they, they are so intellectual, so intelligent. Mm -hmm. And that's what I always used to, you know, encourage my son, like tap into that, that the right. fact that you have Asperger's, I used to tell him all the time that is, we're not going to use a negative. We're not going right. to connect that to negative. Right. You have a, I used to tell them you have a special mind and it takes right. a, a special kind of person to understand you. And I mean that yep. in all the right ways. All and then the right we, ways. and then we started, you know, looking up successful people who mm. have Asperger's. So I was like, this mm. is not a, an excuse yeah. or a reason for you not to excel as an individual. It's yep. actually even more for you to use it and say, look, as an inspiration to others, yep. you can do this. It makes you stronger. You know, and when I look at him today, he, you know, he, I always call him my silent warrior because he's my, he's my introverted child. Okay. And he, but when you listen to him, when you tap into what's in here, right? It's, it, it literally amazes. And a lot of adults that talk to him are like, he's an old soul. Like he's been here before. <laughs> they always say that about him. Wow. You know? And I look at your son Musa, he, you can tell he, he's a gentle soul. Like he, he is. really, yeah. Yes, yeah. he is. That's, that's just so beautiful. I just, I, I just love it. And then the fact, again, you know, you make driving home that when we are reading, when we are exposing our children to these many different books and we are showing them that love of reading, I mean, you, it just literally just expands their minds. It actually uh, gives them confidence, right? You know what I'm saying? It, it, it takes them to a whole nother level. And then the connection, Again, how you are just so family oriented and how you dote yeah. on your children, how you just talk about them with just, you know, so much glee, so much happiness and, and fullness yeah. in your heart, you know, and then just being, you know, that, that centerpiece right there, that literacy piece, it's just priceless. And to see, I can see the connection. Mm -hmm. That's the thing. It's like mm -hmm. from the reading, I see like where my son is with art and the fact that he's writing a comic book right now, mm. my oldest son. When I look at my daughter, She's a screenwriter and a film producer. She's working on set, you know, with producers and writing films. And she's, my daughter's an author. She wrote her own book. You yep. bought her book. Exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. You bought her book. So yes. my daughter's an author and, and watching that, you know, the, the love of reading. I remember, mm -hmm. I think she, my daughter was 13. She wanted, remember when those Kindles came out? So she okay. was like, mom, I want the Kindle so I can yes. read the books in the car and stuff like that. Wow. So again, cultivating that desire. So when they say they want something, feed into that, yep. feed into that, lean into that and, and, and show them that, you know, you support their desire of educating themselves and aspiring to, you know, um, expand their mind. Um, so, and when I look at her now, she's an author, she's a screenwriter, she's, she's teaching my students, you know, and when I look at my youngest son, like I said, that's my, that's my, my revolutionary. That's my little Huey P. Newton in the house. And yet when you listen to the, you know, when he tells me as an adult, when I, I want to buy him a gift, I'm like, what do you want? He's like, mom, buy me a book. Like as God is my witness, I have bought my son so many books as an adult. And this is what he's asking for. You know, what would you like? Mommy, buy me this. And he'll tell me what book he wants. And it's some mm. empowering book. It's some book about Malcolm X, it's some book about, you know, Marcus Garvey or some book of something that's educational. And when I talk to him again, 
that conversation of, you know, and my, my, my daughter, the same thing, you know, mm. she's like, she's a, she's kind of like your sister soldier, but she's like a, 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 a type of, uh, who was, uh, I can't remember the author who mm. wrote Color Purple. Oh, Alice Walker. She has a little bit of that, but she has okay. a sister soldier in her. So okay. it's this, but I see what, and, and I say all that to say is I see the connection from reading mm. and how it has developed their mind and their character and what's, what's important to them and what do they advocate for, and, yep. you know, and it all stemmed from them educating themselves from reading. Mm. Well, I, I gotta, I gotta say something real quick about your youngest son. See me and him, we a vibe. He, I, I, the first person that came to my mind was Michael Levins from Good Times. Remember yes. It's so funny because we laugh about that. We always say, you know, my daughter's the Thelma and the, that's uh, my little youngest son, oh Alex, that is Michael Evans. Little, can I just share a really quick story? So we moved, we moved into this neighborhood um, when my son, my youngest son was about six years old. This is when we moved back to the East Coast. Now, mind okay. you, I should have done more research on the location. I was looking for, you know, a residential home where they have schools and activities for kids. And sure enough, I found it. What they didn't tell us is that less than 2% of the residents were black or of any other culture. So they were in an all white school. Now, mm. let me just to explain my militant son, <laughs> the first day of school, the first day of school, Stacia, you know, the teachers telling them the curriculum and, you know, the yeah. first day where they're telling them what to expect for this school right. year. Yeah. And so then she opens up the floor and says, do any of you have questions? My six year old son, first grade, she, he raises his hand mm. and she says, what, 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 what's your question, Alex? And he goes, he looks around the classroom and he goes, am I the only black kid in the class? Oh. When he came home and told me that, I said, Alex, I know you didn't ask the teacher that. He said, yeah, I did. <laughs> so yes. that was my introduction that this neighborhood is not diverse. I mean, we eventually moved. But that just shows how direct my son was that when he's reading those books, he became, you know, that one way he didn't miss it. He didn't care. He was six years old. And he said, I'm going to ask, am I the only black kid in this school? I mean, in this class. So, he like, he like, yeah. he like, where, the, where the black folk? He was like the, the character right. from, uh, what was the do for uh, do the right thing when he was uh, sit, eating his sauce. Right. Said, where's, I know where the black, black people are on the wall. Like, hold on. Right. <laughs> Yes. Mm -hmm. Oh my good. But right. See that empowerment, that confidence right there and all of that being cultivated in addition to the fact of, again, with the reading piece, but just yeah. that love, right? Because what you're all of all, everything that you're talking about too, it's like you were leading with love. You were leading yeah. with nurturing. Okay. Yeah. You know, you were leading with the fact of you're like, you know what? I want the best for y'all because I mm -hmm. want the best for myself. So exactly. I want the best for y'all. And that's what's going to happen. And, and again, like I said, y'all dropping the nuggets and the jewels up in here. And I hope you guys are really, really uh, making sure that you're jotting this stuff down because it's, it's not, again, this is not something that you have to go get some type of college degree in. No. This is just basic foundational stuff. This is connection mm -hmm. because this is what reading does. It makes, it brings that connection. You all are just, you know, your, your children, they're able to see their gifts and their talents. You're helping to bring that out 
of your children. And you're getting to learn who your children are, what yes. they value, what's important to them by the choices that they read in books. That's right. So when they used to pick the, you know, the, the self-help books and then they would pick yep. their desired book. Yep. I'm like, okay, so they lean towards this. This one leans towards that. This one yep. has a, you know, an affinity to this. So you start, you know, educating yourself. And then we made it something where it was a, a sense of accomplishment. When we finished books, we would all sit together at the mm. dinner table, which was something that my kids grew up with. We, that was, for me, that was the time when we all shared our, in, our thoughts. We okay. were all in the same thought process. You know, throughout the day, I'm, as a single mom, I'm doing so much. I don't have all the time that I would have desired to have with my children. Yes. But I made that time for dinner as our time to talk about school, to talk about what's happening in mommy's life and, right. you know, things like that. But that was the time that we all shared the same thought. Mm. And we would use that time to celebrate when someone finished a book and then, you know, having that comprehensive conversation of what you take from it and things like that. And it was really helping me see um, when they would tell me what they didn't like, what, the, what, what wasn't their favorite character, who was their favorite character and why. It mm. really allowed me to have deep conversations with my children to the mm. point where even now my youngest son he's 23 and there are times where me and my son are on the phone for three hours and we're having like empowerment conversations like about what's happening around the world what you know this and again it, it, it stems from having those you know not bathing them but using the books that they read to have educational conversations with them about the book and how it connected to the world, how it connected to them as an individual. Um, yeah. And again, it's an opportunity for you as a parent to guide your children in their thought process because as children, they do somewhat have tunnel vision sometimes because yeah. they haven't experienced life. Yeah. Um, so it's an opportunity for you to expand on their thought process when they're sharing. Yeah. But you create that environment through reading and um, having them be able to express themselves that way. And then when they see the accomplishment in school, when they're able to read at a certain level, and I will say this, mm. my oldest son, he struggled um, in the first grade and we, you know, to read. And okay. he had a Caucasian teacher that told my son, he was never going to, he was never going to graduate from first grade. Yes. So when my son came home, I started noticing that following week, he was having like stomach issues. He mm -hmm. was having stomach aches and he had a love for going to school and all of a sudden he didn't want to go to school anymore. So I sat down with him and I was like, okay, what's going on? Mm -hmm. And he told me what the teacher said. I said, oh, I called my job and I was like, I'm coming in late today. Mm -hmm. I didn't even ask. I said, I'm coming in late today. Right. Went up to that school and demanded an immediate conference with my, my son's kindergarten teacher, yeah. that teacher, yeah. the desired teacher that I wanted, and the principal. Mm. And when I shared, you know, this, the fact that, you know, this is what was told to my child, right. a young black boy. Right. I was like, this is unacceptable. And I want my son out of her classroom today. Yes. I empower my child at home. I don't take my son to school. So you can, you know, beat them, humiliate down. him. Exactly. Yeah. So I had, and his, his kindergarten teacher was African-American and she talked about what a pleasure he was to have in class. Mm, okay. Sure enough, I got him into another first grade class that day. Cause I told him, I said, if this doesn't happen today, I'm taking this to the superintendent. Right. So this is going to happen today. My son is not stepping foot another day in her class. Right. I'm saying this in front of the teacher. Mm-hmm. 
got got my son into another first grade class with a, a, a Latina teacher. Okay. okay. My son graduated high school 10% in the class. Mm. The same child that she said would never graduate. Yeah. Not only did my son graduate, but he graduated with honors 10% in his class. Let's grow. Commercial okay. arts major in his high school. So you have to advocate for your children, especially yeah. when you know. And reading allows you to be able to see what your children are capable of. Yep. So when teachers want to tell you what they're not capable of doing, right. you got firsthand account of, oh, I know what my child is capable of doing. Thank we you. have discussion. I see what they read. I know what I put into my child yes. mentally. So you are not going to, you can be a greater advocate for your child, even mm -hmm. through utilizing books as a means to be able to get to know your children. That's right. Mm. Mm. Hello. Again, you know, like I said, I mean, you know, I didn't, and I know I'm being redundant when I say this, but I don't care. I can say this over and over again. It's on my shelf. Okay. <laughs> the, the jewels and the nuggets is going to be dropped up in here. Okay. And she dropping them. I mean, the empowerment, the advocacy, these are the things that I talk about consistently. And I thank you, Asia, for saying that. And I thank you for these stories because and that's in truth be told. See, this is how we learn, right? You know, right. and this is a part of our African ancestry, actually, by the way, too. That whole storytelling piece, being able to relate these different things that, you know, we've experienced or that our parents have experienced, all these different things. This is how we're able to relate, make connections and learn. All right. Absolutely. And I love that empowerment piece that you keep driving home. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. And now what I want to do. Yeah. And so what, what I want to do is I want everybody to hear about, number one, in terms of your professions that I uh, introduced uh, in the beginning when I told everybody you're a nonprofit strategist um, and also about your books uh, that you author as well. So tell everybody uh, what made you go into uh, the nonprofit sector. And, uh, and, and, uh, and, and after you say that, then I, I have something to, to add to that. But go ahead. Tell everybody what made you go into the nonprofit sector. Well, I founded my nonprofit just to care. So if anyone, they hear you call me Asia. That is my, my Muslim name, my attribute, Asia. But my birth name that my father gave me is Jessica. Mm -hmm. And so my organization is named after my, you know, my, my, birth given name but it's an acronym and it's it's what I want all of our young girls and our women to participate in any of our workshops retreats webinars um master classes to understand that this is what this, this is what is the road to empowerment and so Jessica in Jessica Care stands for journey to becoming an extraordinarily strong successful individual with courageous aspirations and so it's a it's a female empowerment platform to help our young girls. And I started that and women. And I started that organization 12 years ago because I took a leadership class. I took a leadership class um, when I was an adult, an adult with children. And what I will say is while I was empowered, um, my books were very um, limited. The books mm -hmm. that I read a lot of were Jehovah's Witnesses. So it was okay. from a religious base and it was, it was with that uh, faith model in mind. Okay. So while I read and I had opportunities to read, you know, books at school, I didn't have a broad library of, of a, a variety of books. The empowerment mm. books was not one of them. History books was not one of them. I learned in class the history that we were allowed to learn. 
Right. Um, and then, you know, again, a lot of my vocabulary in my books and my library were spiritual books, you know, Jehovah's mm-hmm. Witness books. Mm-hmm. So there were pockets of my life where that empowerment piece, that really getting to know who Asia was as an individual was missing. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I went through the preteen stage and the teenage stage with a lot of insecurity. Um, a lot of insecurity because if you don't tap into that, it just mm-hmm. becomes a void. And, and you, you look to validate yourself through others versus right. validating yourself. Um, so I took a leadership course thinking that this was, you know, actually they made us take this leadership course as managers in the bank. I was in the financial industry as a bank. I was a business uh, branch manager. So I thought this was going to be a class on how to manage your team better and to make a, a cohesive team. And it ended up being a leadership course, but it was all about personal development. Okay. And how if you are empowered, those around you will be more empowered. So it allows you to be a better mother, a better branch manager, a better salesperson, a better wife, a better husband, whatever it was, you had to tap into this first, yes. right? And we were, we had books in that leadership program. We had to read books. And that's when I started learning about paradigm shifts and all. And I'm like, in my forties and I'm learning all of these things, Right. And I was like, if I had this when I was a preteen, if mm. I had someone to understand paradigm shifts and I right. had someone to understand that validation comes from self. And while, yes, the spiritual as- aspect was very important, tapping into my creator and all of that, it, it is important. But yet he gives you gifts and talents for a reason. And if you don't tap into that, you're not fulfilling the purpose that God gave you on right. this earth. So there's going to be a void, right? Yes. So. When I did, I said, if, if, you know what? I need to create what I didn't have. Mm. And their birth, Jessica Cares. And so that was, you know, and we have a book club in Jessica Cares. We've done virtual book clubs when COVID came. We had the round table before that where the girls would come together. We would read and really encourage our girls to tap into. And then they would have questions. Tap into the, what's the, what was the meat of this chapter for you? Mm. What are you going to implement? So it wasn't about information mm-hmm. for me. It was about what did, what did you take away from the book that we're reading and how are you going to implement it in your own personal life? How is this going to make you better? How are you going to implement this in every aspect of your life? So that way reading again, just like it did with my children, it became a means for them to be able to tap into self. Um, so you know, that, that's what we did with Jessica Cares. And then through me running Jessica Cares and yes. doing the various things that we were doing, people started taking notice. Um, and people would call me, I'm going to start a nonprofit and I see what you're doing. And, you know, the, and I was spending a lot of time consulting. Now I'm from, I, I did mention I'm from New York, right? Uh-huh. Okay. Yes. So Thank that you. New York hustler came I, in, that entrepreneur mind came oh, in. I was like, you hustle, know what? hustle. I'm, I'm, I'm doing a lot of consulting here. I need to monetize <laughs> this information, you know? Right. So their birth in 2016, mm. six years after I started Jessica Cares, right. I started my uh, nonprofit, I mean, not my nonprofit, my for-profit consulting mm. firm, Utopian mm-hmm. Enterprise Business Solutions. Mm-hmm. And my, my, my consulting firm has a specialty in those that are looking to start and not just start, but run efficient nonprofit organizations. Because for me, our communities in the black and brown community, we need it the most. Right. We need nonprofit services the most because mm-hmm. in my, my mind, nonprofits are the void for whatever political administration 
either chooses not to take care of or don't know, or local officials don't care to fix or don't know. Either way, we're living in those communities, so we know what the issues are and what's needed. However, because many of us are first-time or first-generation entrepreneurs, Mm -hmm. we run our charitable organizations like the Charity Kings. And then we don't, and we wonder why we're not getting the funding, that we're not getting the consistency or the sustainability in our nonprofits in the in the in the communities that need it the most. Yes. So that became my passion. Um, not only my passion of just care, but it became my passion and to educate those that wanted to impact and and, and develop um, their communities to be able to do it in an efficient way. We didn't have the blueprint. A lot of us grew up like me. Our parents worked, you know, uh, a job. They retired when they was in their 70s, yeah. you know, and that was that. Was that. Mm-hmm. We didn't evoke a lot of change. It was just like, you know, beggars can't be choosers kind of mentality. And right. that's, how, that's how it was. Yeah. And when you become empowered, part of empowerment is empowering others. You cannot be an empowered person when you hoard it all to yourself. Thank you. So it became my passion then to teach those that really wanted to. It was like, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to do it right. Right. We're going to do it right. We're going to get the funding that the Girl Scouts get. We're going to get the funding that, you know, big brothers and big sisters get. We're going to get the the money that the ASPCA and the St. Jude's and stuff. Let's learn how to do this better so that way our communities are not going without. So if you're going to start this nonprofit, let's not be here today and then gone in a, in a year or two. Hmm. You're going to be here. So I, I want you to say you've been here 10, 12, 15, 20 years. I want us to be able to have those type of legacies being left in our community. So then I started my you know uh, consulting firm where I work from beginning to branding to master classes to uh, financial consulting, grant writing. Um, you know, helping them understand how to create fundraising um, in a way that is sustainable, not just a one and done. Yeah. How do you nurture these relationships? How do you share your story? So mm. storytelling is yeah. huge in nonprofits. Yes. So, you know, um, doing that became a, a passion for me. And what I found is, unfortunately, some people couldn't afford um, my master classes or even my course, you know, my one-on-one coaching. Mm-hmm. So going back to what I said earlier, mm-hmm. people don't value free mm-hmm. or nominal. Anything that's nominal, they think it doesn't have a value. Right. So that became my said, you know what, just like I did with Jessica Cares, I had women contacting me from Australia and Africa saying they wish they could come to our Jessica Cares classes. And so what I did was I created a book and I said, the same way I used to love reading and the same way my kids love reading yeah. and the same way, you know, and I wouldn't even say used to love reading. I still read and I still benefit from reading today. Right, the course. same way I gained so much knowledge from reading and I see that what has happened with my children. I said, why don't you, why don't you create literary content for mm-hmm. those that cannot necessarily afford your master classes or your, you know, your webinars and so forth or your one-on-one services. So create a book. So that, that book that you held up, uh, mirror, mirror on the wall. Who am I after all? That was the book that was written for young girls and women. And in each chapter, it again goes back to that implementation of self. So as you're, I don't want my content to be just information. Right. I want it to be how are you going to implement the information? Yep. So each chapter had a workshop, uh, like a worksheet yep. for them to work on and reflect self, you know, reflection. Right. Uh-huh. I see you wrote in there. Good. Yeah. Yes. Actually, this is. 
Actually, this is Salda's copy. This is what she wrote. Oh, mm -hmm. I love it. My 13 year old. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. So it was really about that. And then I took the same concept with um with my, my for-profit consulting firm. And I just, tomorrow is my release date for my new book, Nonprofit Doesn't Mean No Profit, Changing the Portrait of the Humanitarian Grind. Show so me. here is my book, my <laughs> second book. Yeah, I'm so excited. <laughs> So excited, and I did. I took the same concept, you know, where we have exercises in this book for the executive team to be able to assess their nonprofit and be able mm. to look at their nonprofit. Where are you versus where you want to be, mm. and how to get it done? I gave them templates of what it looks like to be able to create uh, certain things that you want to send out to those in the community to really make your organization one that looks like the ASPCA. The big brothers, big sisters. So right. this has, you know, reflective questions of where your organization is. And then it's a 10 chapter book. And the first chapter starts with the mindset. So the, the chapter is called the proper mindset when starting a nonprofit, because if you don't have the right mindset, again, it's going to be your charity case. And that's not the, a nonprofit is a business and you have to run it as such. So I'm really excited about presenting this book to our community um, so that way they can take their nonprofits and be able to really run it in an efficient way, make some necessary changes and transitions within, you know, within, so that way externally it can benefit their organization and, and ultimately their community. So. Well, oh my goodness, y'all. First of all, let me say this, y'all, giving her another plug, right? <laughs> this is why I took her nonprofit strategy class okay this is why i said her i said oh no i said when i saw what asia was doing when i would see her posts and you know and i would see how she would have everything just organized and like okay this is what i'm doing for this whole month bam 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 each week <laughs> i'm like dang man and just constantly in your face and these are the things that she taught me in her mm -hmm. class I said, okay. I said, oh yeah. I said, this, this is what's up. I said, this is where I need to be. I mean, and then I love the fact too. I want, I'm glad that you talked about in terms of how, what made you start the nonprofit yeah. was based off of what was lacking in your own yeah. life. Mm -hmm. And that's, and that's really the key. And it, cause it makes me think about even with the nonprofit ABC read, the reason why I started ABC read, I was, Unlike you, I did not grow up in a household full of literacy, okay? It was like, if you wanted to know what was on TV, if you wanted right. to know what was coming, I, they called me the walking TV guide, okay? Those of y'all- Really? Yeah. Yes. Oh my God. Okay. So I was reading that TV guide. I guess that count, huh? <laughs> I knew that. Yeah, TV guide, what is that? Exactly. <laughs> That's old school. Like, look it That's up. That's old Google school, it. right? Google it. All the, exactly. Okay. It tells you all the shows and what channel they came on. What time, and what time yes. they came on. Okay. Yes. It oh was like, goodness. that was me. All right. So, and that's why I wanted to be an actress. So that's a whole nother, you know, so, but, but nevertheless, you know what I'm saying? Again, why I would make me start the nonprofit because I was like, you know what I said? I want to see our community being well-read. Just like what you talked about in your family, it's not like your family is, is an anomaly. You know what I'm saying? You know, mm -hmm. it's not like it's not like it can't be done. Exactly. This is something that can be done. It has been done, and it's been done by people that look like us. And let me tell you, I didn't start off, you know, creating a library for my kids. I needed mm -hmm. the free. 
So we used to go to the library. All of my kids had a library card and we would check out two books, self-help book and a desirable book. Like that was, it was still in the library. And then as my, you know, thank Allah, I thank Allah for it. He was able to to create a stream of income for myself as a single mom. That mm. I, and, and that desire of wanting them to create a library. I wanted them to see books in the home. Right. I wanted them to see that because what, what children see in their home, that's what they value. Yep. If it's in your house, this, that means it's important. Yep. So I wanted my children to create libraries for themselves. Mm. And so what that, that's when I, because I had a bookshelf and I had my books. And so I wanted them to have their books. Yep. And so then I started taking them to Barnes and Noble so that way they can collect books and we can always go back and check and read highlights and, you know, that kind of stuff. Those are those journals that we create. Those are those, you know, for me, those are masterclasses. Mm. So while a masterclass may cost 500 and up or something like that, right. you can get a book for 1999. You can get a, you know, that's, that may be more affordable for you or you may go to a library and get it for absolutely free yeah and then give yourself that deadline to be like okay i'm gonna read this book and like what i do so if you know you have to have a book back in, a, in 20 days or 30 days right then you take the number of pages that are in that book and say how many pages do i have to read every day before i have to give this book back and you can still finish the book and that's that motivation still educating yourself so there's yep. to me there's no reason. The fact that we still, I thank God that we still have libraries. Mm. I thank God that we still have libraries, that we still have librarians. Thank Why? You. Because it's for those that maybe right now you're not in a financial situation mm-hmm. to be able to purchase and do better. But those books had information that was vital to me, vital to my children, you know, vital in, in, in some of the books that I read, even growing up, those little book fairs where the books were like one ninety nine yeah. back then you could buy those, you know, those books. And it's, it's, it's important. Like I said, it expanded the mind and expands your mind and it, it, it makes you desire to, to, I grew up in the projects, mm. section eight, mm. <laughs> food stamps. Like that was one of seven mm. kids. You know, only mm. one person working outside the home. Right, right. Come Both on. parents immigrant. You know, they're not from this country, so mm. their second their English was their second language. Wow. English was not my pa- English for my mother to this day. She has to translate in her mind when she's speaking English. She has to translate mm. what she's saying first. When you speak okay. to her, she has to translate mm-hmm. in order to respond because wow. Spanish is her first language. So, you know, it, it became very very important Mm. that reading was something that it was a way for you to expand I wanted to see outside of the project I wanted to you know so when my father would take me to the cultural places again it expanded my mind and when I was young I didn't always appreciate it either so for any young ones that are listening if your parents are taking you to plays, if your parents are taking you to jazz shows and and jazz concerts and the blue museums, and, you know, mm-hmm. museums and things. You may think it's boring, mm-hmm. but trust me when I tell you, when you start going into, you know, to college, mm-hmm. when you start going into the workplace and you're having to deal with people from different cultures, different backgrounds, it, uh, it you become a well-rounded person where you can hold your own, mm-hmm. stand 10 toes down on who you are and your yeah. identity while still embracing different cultures. But that comes from exposure. You know, so when they have those free, you know, come to the library, we're going to have, you know, African dance, or we're going to have Spanish this, you know, Cinco de Mayo, come to, even if it's different from your culture, 
take your children and children embrace it because you, and it was later on that I started finding myself listening to jazz music and stuff. My dad's like, you listening to jazz? I'm like, dad, I love jazz. I love jazz music. He was like, you hated it when I was taking it. I was like, I know, but I've learned to, to love it because you, you, you're you not the same person that you was at 12 when you right. become 21. And, and as you continue to grow, so your love of music changes. Yes, and does. what was instilled in you, you're like, mm, that sounds familiar. That's right. not, you know, I like right. that. So, you know, exposing your children to those different things and there are free things. Look up free things in your community mm. that are culturally based, that are literary based because that's what's going to help you. So not having the financial means is not an excuse to be able to, to teach your children and help your children read and learn and expand their mind and have them dream bigger than, the, you know, their neighborhood. Yeah. That's what helped me one, you know, so I started traveling and going different places. Why? Because I read them in those books mm. and I wanted to, I wanted to go there. So I went to Dubai, you know, I went to Saudi Arabia. I went to, you know, Panama. I went to, you know, all of these different places. I've lived literally in like six different states. Some people never move and I'm constantly moving and moving for me is not an issue. I can adapt because mm. of that cultural, you know, um, exposure. Mm-hmm. that I was given to in those books that I read. I was like, I want to, I want to go there. I want to meet these people. I want right. to, you know, this and that. So Lee, I encourage parents and sh- have those moments with your kids. You'd be amazed. It's going to be that one kid that love it. <laughs> and then the other one that's like, we'd be doing anything but this. Right. And then later on, they're like, I'm glad. My children thanked me for some of the things that I exposed them to. And they were like, mom, I'm so glad that you took me to these places because now in their workplace, they're able to yes. adapt to so many different people and so many different cultures that had they only grew up in that one thing, yes. they would not have been able to survive. And even that experience of going, you know, being in school where they were less than 2% black in the school, yeah. my kids were still able to walk with their head, their head tell high why because of what was instilled within them. Mm-hmm. as individuals their mindset what who they were so no one could brainwash them into thinking that they were anything other than who they were mm. honey you that that that's like uh my drop right there i mean <laughs> you you said a whole bunch of words i mean exposure i love that aspect and the confidence and the empowerment piece that is just oh my goodness pri- priceless once again absolutely absolutely so what I want to do, since we are definitely, we are coming up on uh, close to our time to the end of the show, which by the way, y'all, I mean, this conversation, I mean, it's like, I'm just like loving, I'm soaking up everything you're saying. I mean, literally, I mean, seriously, I'm just, I mean, because this stuff right here, this, this is the type of stuff that gives me joy. Okay. I get pumped. Yes. And I see it. I see it. (laughs) I mean, I love having these kinds of conversations. You know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? I mean, it's like, and and I'm like you, I believe that we are always learning. You should always be a lifelong learner. It should never be this thing where, okay, we've been there. You know what I'm saying? I've, I've arrived or, you know what I'm saying? You at a certain age and you like, no, man, you have to always have that thirst to learn because there's so much, the knowledge is vast. And, what I and want, what's important, mm-hmm. teaching your children the love of learning, making it fun. Yes, so right. when we used to have those accomplishments and, you know, accomplishment dinner and, t- you know, our kids look forward to, you know, my kids look forward to that stuff. So it made learning fun. Right. 
And I, and I embrace that my children learn differently too. So one may be more visual. One may mm -hmm. like to just sit and read. Like my boys, boys are different. They learn different. They're more hands-on. Yep. My daughter could sit and read a book. And if you left her alone, she was in her happy space. Right. But my boys had to be hands-on. They learned more. So they wanted to act out what they learned. So creating characters and, okay, create your costume and be this person or whatever. Right. Right. Like that was how my boys learned. So, you know, comic books, creating, you know, letting my son buy certain things. And I'm like, use your money for that. <laughs> you know, in my mind. But, so, you know, right. they wanted to look like the character that was their favorite character. Exactly. And when you do that, it creates a love of yes. learning. And I think when you do that, then becoming a lifelong student becomes just a natural. It becomes just part of who you are. And it's not something that has to be, you know, it just becomes innate and like almost part of your DNA because you love learning. Yes, most definitely. Oh my goodness. So what, what I would love for you to do, I want you, I mean, you've already actually have given tips throughout the episode already, but I just want you to just cap off just three things mm -hmm. that you would suggest that people can start right now implementing when it comes to developing that culture of literacy in their home. Three top things. Okay. So one, have like a, create like a challenge accountability partnering with each other. So if you have a book that you're saying, okay, every month we're going to read a book, um, have an accountability. So if you have multiple children, multiple people in your family, mm -hmm. assign people an accountability partner and then have them, you know, did you read and make sure, well, I read my, you know, I read my chapters. Did you read your chapter? And yeah. it keeps that competitive, you know, siblings are very competitive by nature. So mm -hmm. you can use reading as a way of being able to create that stimulation of competitiveness, but for something positive. Okay. And then sometimes have a, an award and it doesn't necessarily mean you have to buy something. It could be their favorite dinner. It could be, you know, we're, we're going to your favorite place, if that's the park or whatever it might be. Um, but do something like that to, you know, reward them for reading or, you know, doing that. And then engage them. The second thing is engage them. Engage okay. them in what they learn and then have them teach, be able to be the teacher. Teach you. What did you learn from this? And what can what could we do to be better from what you read and things like that, especially from the self-help books? You know, create a tradition. Mm. Create a tradition of reading, whatever that might look for you and your family. Mm. Create a tradition. And you may want to even make it where it's a family contribution, where we're like, okay, we're gonna create a tradition of reading. What is some give me three suggestions, three suggestions, and then as a family, we're gonna pick the one that that, that suits us. That way, it's it's, it's a buy-in from everybody. So it's not a situation where the kids are fighting you on it and you're right. trying to create something. It's where the you incorporated the children in creating and being a part and contributing to this new family tradition of literacy and learning. So those would wow. be my those would be my three um, suggestions. And I and I think with those, it becomes mm -hmm. something where when they think of their childhood. Mm -hmm. It becomes, like I said, that tradition. And same way I used to watch my father read. I'm right. 50 now, and I still read. I have my, like I said, I created my own book club. My children see my books. And if books is not your thing, I'll just say another tip. Yeah. Get it in audio. Get Thank it in you. audio. And some yes. of these books are on YouTube for free. For free. Yep. So if reading is not your thing because you're busy, you cooking, mm -hmm. you driving, Yep. Pop that thing on on your phone while you're driving and read. Please. If you're in, if you're washing dishes, cleaning, doing the clothes or whatever, pop that audio on 
because you're still feeding your mind. So understand where maybe your children are. Everybody reads, you know, learns differently. This my I, my daughter, she likes to pop the book. She she likes to, you know, my kids like to flip the pages. Smell that, you know, that new book smell. Yes. They, they like that stuff. But that's you got me. some people, you got mm -hmm. some people that's like, look, I need the audio because my, my schedule is busy. Right. So whatever makes it work, don't peg your children. Like if your, your child is, a, is, 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 you got a circle and your child's a square, don't no. shove that child in that circle. Please don't, please. Accommodate <laughs> them to make it fun. So if yes. they're more visual, you know, create plays, you know, okay, do a play for the family, uh, you know, become, become creative, yeah. you know, and, and allow them to express what they learn in whatever yeah. form that it, it works for them. So, yeah. you know, my oldest son, he's into comic books. So he, his thing was getting dressed up in his character right. and, and, you know, doing that. Um, my daughter was the one she liked to write. She liked to write and, and then read her little composition to the, you know, to the family. Oh. My youngest one, he thought he was Malcolm X. He want to talk. He want to, you know, do. He wanna, so <laughs> that, that, but you have to learn. And again, you get right. to learn that from the choices of what they read. That's right. And just remember that you are a parent. You can guide them in that, but yes. don't make it where you make reading what you want them to read. Mm. Have, let them explore. Let them explore, but give them the genre, you know, self-help and desire right. book. Okay. And now right. let me see what you're going to do. Give them the opportunity to have that autonomy mm. for what they want to feed themselves. Mm. You know, as far as literary, liter literacy is concerned and you'd be amazed. You'd be amazed. And sometimes they'll pick books. You're like, you want to read this? Really? Right. And they're like, yeah, give them the opportunity, even if they don't finish. So you know what? This was a really advanced book. I'm so proud of what you have read because it, it, takes, it took a lot for you to be able to read this. So encourage them to finish it. But, right. you know, um, acknowledge what they've done. Mm. You know, and so, well, you didn't read this book. I knew you wasn't going to read this. I knew this was too advanced. Don't do that. Right. Don't do that. Right. You know, make make reading fun, make it a family affair, yeah. have them contribute to how you can do things differently or how you can make reading or education fun, have them contribute. Because once you have your children buy in, that's what that's what makes it that's what makes it fun. That's what makes the tradition what it is. So, you know, incorporate different ideas the same way if you have managers, supervisors listening in, mm -hmm. same way you find, you know, what works for your team, do that mm -hmm. with your children. Do that with your children when it comes to educating and reading and mm -hmm. look for free opportunities. If you're, you're in a financial situation, there's no shame in it. If your financial situation doesn't allow you to be able to purchase books, go to the library and ask them because the library always has what free events are coming up. Exactly. Ask them, what are your, take your children, make that part of your tradition. So that mm -hmm. way they're learning and reading at the same time and expanding their mind to dream bigger than, you know, what they see in their community. So that would be, I know I gave more than three, but that would be my suggestion. That is so awesome. Let me grab my charger real quick because I just realized it said low battery, y'all. And I oh, am just, okay. not about to stop. Hold up. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, I'm looking, I'm sitting, I'm like, huh? Hold up, hold up. A second. And when my youngest son saw my hat, Reading is freedom. Yeah. Oh, he was uh, like, I, I like that hat. I was like, you can't have it. <laughs> I said, you can't have it. Uh-oh, uh -oh. you got you to gotta give your son the hat. Oh, my goodness. Oh, man. And we got, of course, we got some new 
uh, yes, I, new design I gotta get, I gotta get some I gotta get some new merch. I definitely yes. do. <laughs> oh my gosh, I see. Oh man, this has been phenomenal. We my last question for you is what are you currently reading right now? I am currently reading, I'm almost finished with a book. Um it's is it upstairs. Yeah, it's upstairs because I was reading it last night. Okay. Um, it's a book. Of, uh, the author is Teray Roberts. He's actually a pastor. He's married to T.D. Jake's daughter. Um, oh, so okay. that's why I said, you know, okay. looking, you know, having an open mind too. Right. Um, he has a book called Balance. And that was something that I needed in my life. I was mm. doing too much. And, and, and life has a way of just being life. Of course, life is. You know, you know um, I was thrown a curve about a couple of years ago and um I got out of you know and was like okay I gotta empower myself again and I had I needed to find my balance I was kind of my footing was a little off gotcha and that book was all about balance and when Mm -hmm. I tell you that book is (laughs) it's a it's a great book it is a great book it is an amazing book drop some gems and I mean, some things in that book that I'm like, well, okay, wait, hold up. Let me read this again. Because this was like amazing. You know, like the way he was able to word it, some of the things that I was thinking or the things that I was, you know, struggling with. And people think, oh, well, you're, you're misempowerment. Life is life and I'm human. (laughs) And I'm human. Exactly. You know, you know, life is life and some things trigger some things. And um, so you, you have to learn like, okay, how do I balance and how do I keep my footing so that way I can Mm. continue to sustain the things that I'm doing, whether it's with family, business, my spirituality, whatever it is, you have to have balance. And just coming from the Islamic faith, we're taught that anything outside of balance becomes a destruction of anything you've created, you know, because you go too much to the left or too much to the right, which we're instructed not to do. So having balance is extremely important. So that book is what I'm reading right now. And I'm, you know, Ramadan is coming up for those that are Muslim. So I have my book that I'm reading during the month of Ramadan, aside from the Quran. Um, So yeah, so that, you know, I'm constantly reading uh, books, but the book that I'm currently reading right now is Balance from uh, Teray Roberts. And he spells his name T as in Thomas, O-U as an umbrella, R-E, Teray, and last name Roberts. Um, and you can get it right on Amazon, just like you can get my books on Amazon. Oh, you already <laughs> and you and let's do the segue because that's exactly how we are ending this off. You are going to let everybody know where they can get both of your books, yes. okay, and where they can follow you on social media because I know. And listening to this conversation, I know just like how I was, even though I knew a lot of this stuff anyway, but there were some things I didn't know. I was just sitting there like, I'm like, okay, let, let me not have my mouth wide open. Like, I'm like, I'm just, just real fresh. Like, I'm like, so I want you to let everybody know where they can find your books. Make sure they purchase multiple copies. And yes. which can- you did, you actually purchased. You are multiple books already. So you yes. already know the community Cleveland about to come up. Y'all know how <laughs> y'all know how ABC redo. Okay. Yes. So where <laughs> so, you can yeah. find, yes. Yeah, so where you can find my books, both Mirror Mirror on the Wall, Who Am I After All, which is an empowerment book, 10 chapter book um, for young girls and women. Fathers can read it too. I encourage fathers if you want to understand your daughter or the yes. women in your life better. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. that book. Um, and then now. Under my name, Asia Nasir, and my other book, Nonprofit Doesn't Need No Profit. This yes. is also on Amazon. 
um, under Asiya Nasir. So if you just type in Asiya Nasir, my books are going to pop up. Mm. My books are going to pop up. So in the search engine, all you have to do is type in Asiya Nasir, and I'll just put it here. So if you want to know how to spell my name, yes, this is how you get it. So that way they can that way they can see it. All you have to do is just type in my name, and my books will come up. Or if you type in the title of it, my books will uh, will come up. So that's where you can find my books on Amazon, and um, where you can find me on social media for any type of business consulting, um, especially with a specialty in nonprofit, Mm -hmm. um, you can find me on Instagram under Utopian Enterprise. That's my, that's my uh, handle, my social media handle on on Instagram is Utopian Enterprise. It's Mm -hmm. my face, so you can see me. I have my hijab on, so you definitely know it's me. And then with Jessica Cares, my nonprofit organization, if you are a woman who's looking to be empowered, we have some amazing things coming up on Jessica Cares. Yes. So we have, if you have a young girl, I start working with them preteens around 11, because that's when they start struggling with self-esteem. So we work from preteens to seasoned women. Um, Mm -hmm. And my uh, my, uh, Instagram (laughs) handle is Jessica Cares 1. So it's Jessica Cares with the number one. That's okay. how you can find me on Instagram. If you want to also find me on LinkedIn, um, my name, my name, Asiya Nasir, is how you can find me. The mm-hmm. same way you can find me on Facebook under my name, Asiya Nasir. And both uh, Jessica Cares and Utopian Enterprise has its own Facebook page. So if you just type it in, Jessica Cares along with uh, Utopian Enterprise Business Solutions, mm-hmm. you'll find me there as well um mm. so that's where you can find me on linkedin facebook and instagram you will definitely find me and on youtube i'm on youtube under asia nasir we have a talk show called conversations with asia yes. which we're getting ready to launch i, I decide you know march we're getting ready to pick up i think this is like our fourth season mm. this is our fourth season we started in 2018 right no it's our fifth season Wow. It's our fifth season. So we're starting it on Women's History Month. Okay. Um, we're starting with that. And uh, we have some great topics coming up. Yes. I'm really excited. So you're going to see some future announcements. But yeah. on YouTube, we're under under conversations with Asia. You can see videos of Jessica Cares, our past talk shows. So hit the subscribe to our channel. Hit that notification bell so you can be you know notified of upcoming and watch our previous shows. I think you you know you'll find them very educational. And the theme of that show is you know educating and empowering the women of our community mm-hmm. and the girls that they are raising. Woo, honey, you you came you came through through. Okay, <laughs> I mean you. That's 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 what it is, y'all. Mic drop all day. Asia Nasir. Oh my God, founder of Jessica Cares, nonprofit strategist, author of two books. I mean, all around dope sister, y'all. That's what I'm talking about. And again, I hope that you all made sure that you are writing down those nuggets, those gems, jewels, all of that. But guess what? If you did not, you can always go back and listen again and again, okay? And make sure, make sure y'all share this episode too. Okay, because that's what it's about. Sharing is caring. Okay, and we are right. all about upliftment here. As you know, this whole conversation was about empowerment, uplifting, and it was all centered around literacy and making sure that we are developing that culture of literacy in our Black communities, y'all, because this is what we need for real, point blank. 
So once again, I thank you, Asia, for thank joining you. me for Real Reedy Talk. This was phenomenal. Oh my goodness. And once again, you guys, I thank you all for listening. I appreciate my newbies and I appreciate my old heads. All right. Everybody who's been listening and enjoying the content here on Real Reading Talk. And once again, my name is Miss Sasha. And this was episode seven, season three. All right. So you all take care. Make sure that you please keep reading for at least 30 minutes a day. And remember, reading is freedom. Thank you all for listening. Peace. Like I told y'all, okay, that episode right there was just absolutely amazing. Oh my goodness. And you know what I be telling y'all, right? Making sure that you have your notebooks and pens ready. I know it may sound redundant, but I don't care because I really, really, truly mean that. Those nuggets that were being dropped in that episode and how she just talked about the cultivation of literacy that she had from when she was being raised and how she transferred that into raising her own children. It's just absolutely phenomenal. And as we know, this is not something that uh, you have to have some type of special gifts. This is gifts, these are gifts rather that we have in all of us. And we just have to make sure that we tap into that greatness. So with all of that being said, now I'm going to tell you all about, again, reminding you about my services that I offer. And the first one is I am a pre-K through fourth grade reading tutor. And the name of my reading tutoring business is ABC Learn Tutoring. And I'm also a certified dyslexia tutor as well. So if your children are uh, dealing with issues of comprehension, phonemic awareness, uh, just even getting motivated to even want to read, make sure that you reach out to me by going to abclearntutoring.com, clicking on that free reading assessment, y'all. And yes, I'm in the nonprofit uh, world as well. I'm the founder and executive director of ABC Read, and our mission is to develop and nurture a culture of literacy in Black and underserved communities, okay? We've given away over 5,000 books since our inception, and not just any old books, y'all. We're talking about new or gently used books that primarily represents Black people, Black culture, Black experiences. We have dope, engaging read-alouds that are intergenerational, so not just for our youth. This is for everybody, okay? And we are also promoting healthy eating at our events as well. Please go to abcread.org so you can check out our work. And if you would please make sure that you donate as well. And also, I would love for you all to make sure that you subscribe to my YouTube channel, Reading is Freedom, so that you can get a plethora of read-alouds. Um, and also, check out, speaking of reading is freedom, bam, oh, let me, I always have to do this, it's so funny. Uh, I find myself doing this. So you all see my merch, right? Reading is freedom, okay? And you all are gonna be able to see it um, at the end of the video as well. So go to readingisfreedom.store so that you guys can grab your merch. Shirts like this, we have mugs, we have hats. A uh, matter of fact, speaking of, bam, right here. Uh-oh, uh-oh, right next to me. Bam, okay, sweatshirts, okay? So you make sure that you check us out there as well. And of course, Real Reading Talk. 
okay? Go to make sure that you are liking, make sure that you are subscribing, commenting, sharing, okay? So make sure that you are doing all of those things so that we can keep this conversation going. And the conversation, again, it turns into empowerment. It turns into action. And then I would like to end with uh, letting you all know the book that I've been reading. Actually, uh, one of the books that I've been reading is uh, Take Your Life the Fuck Back. <laughs> That's right. All right. Finding Your Core Self. Okay. So fuck actually is an acronym on uh, in that book. Okay. Written by uh, our dear brother, uh, Will uh, Latif Little. Okay. So yes. All right. So the F is find the U is your, all right. So he spelled it like you are. And then the C is for core self. Okay. So, uh, so if your babies, you know, uh, heard me say, uh, the F bomb. Okay. Tell them it actually means something. Okay. Those F, <laughs> the F U C K. So take off the K. <laughs> it actually means something. All right. And I'm going to leave you all with this quote out of this book here that I got. And I interviewed this brother, The Giants in My Midst, written by Masood Abdul Haq. And this quote is this, never quit regardless of the hand you are dealt. Everyone has royal potential, plan, persevere, new frontiers await. So I thank you all once again for tuning in to another episode of Real Reading Talk. I am your most gracious host, Ms. Sation. Please make sure that you share this episode and remember to please keep reading at least 30 minutes a day. And remember, reading is freedom. Peace.